Welcome to the Connection Point Church Podcast. We hope to be an encouragement throughout your week. New episodes are available every Sunday evening and Thursday evening. We also invite you to join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. series on Jesus being better. Amen. Jesus is better. And uh, I think the key is in my office. Is, it, is there a key in my office? What's that? It's, it's, it's a controversy around here. Where's the key? Sheesh. I just work here. I don't know what's going on. There we go. All right. Well, we're going to warm up a little bit. Here we go. All right. We're going to get into the word of the Lord here tonight. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, we're going to continue in this list, this, this hall of fame of faith, the hall of faith, the hall of fame of faith. We're talking about faith and how faith inspires us, how faith operates in our life. Faith is just, sometimes it's kind of this just, uh, uh, just abstract uh thing that we think about in spiritual terms, but faith is to make a tangible impact in our life. Amen. It's to make a practical impact in our everyday life. Faith should be an operation in our life, and so we have to understand, as we're getting ready to read here, that that faith is to be applied specifically uh, in our life, much like it is applied in the lives of some of the people that we're studying here. The Bible gives us some examples of how faith becomes practical, all right? And so here's here's a working definition. Faith, Hebrews 11, the chapter of faith. Hebrews 11 says, faith is, it's the substance of things hoped for. Uh, it's the assurance of things not seen. It's the evidence of things not seen. Amen? For by it, our elders, the elders, obtained a good testimony with God. Amen? Verse 3, by faith, it's through faith that there's some things that you understand that without faith you can't understand. That's the power of faith. There's some things that faith will inform your worldview about, that God intends for your worldview, your, 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 your outlook on life, your walk with God, your relationship with God, your perception of the world to be informed by faith, all right? And so by faith we understand some things, namely that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen are not made of things which are visible, all right? And so you can't extrapolate everything just by the natural world and what you see around you. You can't have a, a full understanding of all that God is doing, has done, and is trying to accomplish by just looking at just the natural circumstances of your life. There's some things that you can only gain insight into by faith, by just believing God. It doesn't look a certain way, but you can know by faith that God is doing something that you can't quite see or understand through your natural eyes or through our natural limitations. By faith, here we go, we get a, we get a list, begins to make it practical. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. All right. The difference in these two brothers was faith. And faith is what allowed Abel to offer a pleasing sacrifice for which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and, and through it being dead still speaks. In other words, uh, Cain gave God just kind of what was left over. But Abel 
realized by faith that God was worthy of his best, of his first, of his priority, of his foremost. And the illustration was simply this, that, that God is worthy, and by faith we recognize that God isn't worthy of just some or just kind of whatever's left over in our life. God wants to be first. God wants to be the priority. God wants to be uh, at the top of our priority list. Amen? Amen. What did the scripture say? Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and then all these other things shall be added unto it. The, the point is you put God first, and that's pleasing. Secondly, we find that faith by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had a testimony that he pleased God, that, that faith allowed or inspired Enoch to walk with God for his entire life. It wasn't just a season. It wasn't just circumstantial. It wasn't just an inherited faith or a situational faith or a shallow faith, but Enoch was going to walk with God by faith for his whole life. I hope you've made up your mind that you're going to just live for God for the rest of your days. Amen? Amen. I don't care what the world does. I don't care what my crazy aunt or uncle do. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to trust God. Amen? Get this, because without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, number one, and secondly, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is such a powerful text because this really is what this whole book of Hebrews is about, that faith, that, that Jesus is better, that faith is better than religion. And we've been talking about this. Jesus was the better messenger than the angels. Jesus was the better moderator than Moses. Jesus was the better mediator than the priesthood. We have a better method than animal sacrifice. He's a better monument than the tabernacle, the temple. He has a better basis of redemption than religion because more so than religion, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so here's what we see here, according to Enoch last, the last time we talked. That, that when you have faith, faith, it's impossible to please God without faith, for you have to come to God, one, believing that He is. That's religion. Religion teaches us who God is. And that's a good thing. Amen. How many thankful for that? Don't, don't, always, don't be demonizing the word religion all the time. It's a good thing, but, but you've got to understand, religion teaches us what God is, that God is God. It teaches us that He is omnipotent, omniscient, that He's omnipresent. It teaches us all the fundamental doctrinal truths about what God is, that God is God. But, but here's the difference. Faith takes us past just knowing what God is and takes us into a relationship with Him to know that He is also a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. In other words, religion tells us uh, that, that God is, that God is able, and relationship with Jesus, a personal relationship, tells us that God is willing. And that's a big difference. It's one thing to know what God can do, and it's another thing to have a faith because you have a relationship with Him to know that He's willing to do it for you. That's the difference. That's the personal difference that faith will make in your life. It's the difference between just knowing God can do it and knowing God will do it for you because you know Him, and He knows you, and you have a relationship, and you pray to Him, and you worship Him, and you serve Him, and you seek Him diligently knowing that through your faith... That God is not a respecter of persons, but God is going to reward those who diligently seek Him. And the reward that Enoch received, and it's the same reward that we can hope for, is that if we will walk with Him for our entire life, that there is a reward of righteousness 
that we're going to inherit an eternity, an eternal heaven. God took him into heaven. Amen. And we know that was a type and a foreshadowing of the rapture, which we've been talking about. So if we'll just live for God until for all of our days, we know that we have the same inheritance Enoch had, that we're going we're gonna to be taken into heaven. Amen? Amen. That's a good thing. Let's keep going here. I'm, so we're going to take a look here. The next character, the next, um, the next uh, uh, just inspiration of faith, he says, by faith, here it is, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Here it is. We're going to talk about Noah tonight. Get this. Here's what Noah's faith inspired him to do. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of God of things not yet seen. Get that. Think about that. Noah heard a word from God, received a word from God about things that had not yet transpired or about future events. Now, what, do we, what kind of terms do we put that into in our kind of modern Christian vernacular? We have a word for that. What would you say that is? What is, what is he describing here? In a sense, God was giving Noah a word of prophecy, right? And we know that about 25% of the Bible, when it's written, is prophetic in nature. In fact, in the book of Revelation, the Bible says the testimony of Jesus Christ is a word of prophecy, a spirit of prophecy. And so part of what the Bible does is the Bible tells us of future events, and that's why we're studying the end times. And so here's what happened. Look at this. Don't miss this now. Noah was warned divinely of things that had that not yet seen moved. He didn't just hear the word of prophecy. He didn't just hear God's warning of future events. But he moved with a godly fear. It had an effect on him. His, he had a faith that was, when it was mixed with the word of God, it moved him. God's word should move us. Amen. And it should move us to... to, to to live a life of godliness. Amen. Now that word fear there is not is not in a sense that he was had a terror for God, although uh, maybe sometimes that's what we need. Sometimes I think our culture could use a good fear of God, right? But he had a respect for God. He feared God. He 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 honored and respected that what God was saying that he was he was able to bring to pass. He had a healthy fearful respect of God. And so what did that? It moved him to do what? To prepare an ark. If God says it's going to rain, and you've never even heard of rain up to this point, the Bible, does, the, the Bible says that there was a mist that came up. There was no rain. And God says rain's coming. I've never seen rain, but God said there's rain. And so you've got a decision to make. If God says something's coming that you've never seen and you can't even conceptualize in your mind, you've got to allow your faith to inform you that even though I've never seen it and I've never experienced it and I can't quite wrap my mind around what that's going to look like, I've heard a word from God and now that's got to move me to, to respond. And so here's what happened. He was moved. He prepared an ark. If rain is coming, then I better build an ark. I better build a boat. Amen? And man, that's such a timely and, and, and relevant word for us tonight. What is God's word speaking into your life that is inspiring you and moving you to take action in. We all have a word of faith. We all should have a, a challenge of faith. I could tell you what mine is tonight. 
that there's something that God is speaking into your life. There's something that God is dealing with your life about that should move you to step out, not by sight, not by what makes sense, maybe not by what's conventional wisdom, but to step out by faith to, to, to respond to the word in your life. Amen? And so the saving of his household. He said, listen, rain's coming. I've never seen it. I don't understand it. But I, I fear God enough. I respect God enough that that's got to make me do some things differently than what I'm doing. I've never built an ark before. I've never, I've never started a business before. I've never done this or that before. But I, 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 God is moving on me. God is speaking to me. I'm, the Word of God is, is inspiring me. I've got to do some things different. I've got to move in some ways I've never moved before. You get the point. By which He condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to, to faith. Amen? What's verse 8 say? Amen. We're going to stop there. All right. So, so Noah, Noah, he heard the word of God. He 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 believed it. Amen. And and he, as a result, as a result, he uh, he he changed some things in his life. He did some things. All right. Now I want to just tell you here. It's it's not it's not um, without significance as we progress in here. Uh, as we take a look at these first three figures of faith or these first three heroes of faith, that we see this progression building in the Word of God. That first of all, Abel, that through his faith, Abel was inspired to, to be pleasing, to live a life that was pleasing. He found peace with God, all right? That Abel found peace with God, all right? Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice, all right? And so, and so first of all, we find the first uh, 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 figure of faith or hero of faith, that his faith inspired him to find a peace with God. And we find that that peace with God, that, that it built into the next individual, that Enoch, that Enoch not only had peace with God, but now his faith not only inspired him to live a life that was pleasing to God, just like the person before him, Abel, but now his faith allowed him to build on to that peace, and, and now he took that peace, that relationship with God, and now he had, he had a walk with God. And so we find that, that by faith we find peace with God, and, and now we, by faith we find an inspiration to walk with God. But it's here now on this third figure of faith that Noah, we find that, that not only did, he, that did, did do we see that faith inspires us to have right relationship with God, to have a right walk with God, but now faith is inspiring us to obey God. And that's really where the rubber meets the road. That's where our faith is really going to make the impact and the difference in our life. And so here's what Noah's faith inspired him to do, to accomplish, to, to build, to, to create. That he received this warning of future events. Amen? And he feared what was to come. He believed the Word of God. He took action. He didn't just keep on doing what he was doing. He didn't just keep on living like he was living, but he changed some things in his life to respond to the word that he believed that God had spoken to him. And, by, and as a result, he specifically, Noah in his life, he built an ark. He built a boat, which allowed him to avoid the judgment that he believed was coming and ultimately came. And guess what happened? As a result, his family was saved. What a powerful testimony for us here tonight. Because whether we realize it or not, Noah's faith speaks to us in our current day and age, in our current set of circumstances, that we are to believe the Word of God and respond in such a way that we should build something in our life that will contribute to or lead to the saving of not only ourselves, but our families. Amen? That's, that's the word for tonight, that our faith should inspire us 
to be moved with the fear for God's word, a respect for God, that it should lead us to, to make some changes in our life, to, to, to orient our life in such a way that we are building something that will contribute not only to our salvation, but to the saving of our family. Amen? Amen. Now, let's take a look at this. Now, look, look what Hebrews says. Let's take a look at what Hebrews says here about this Noah. It says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world, became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Now, now we find Noah's story in the book of Genesis chapter 5 here. The first three figures that we found here in Genesis are, are just, are, 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 or in Hebrews, are very early uh, figures in the Scripture. And the book of Genesis chapter 5 is where we find Noah's story being told. It's a great story. The first 11 chapters of Genesis, I'd encourage you, if you haven't read those lately, man, it's, 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 very, uh, it's very informative and very just, uh, just interesting. God gives us just kind of a, uh, an understanding of the very beginning, the origins of humanity, and just kind of the origins of his relationship with humanity. And, and we find in, in Genesis chapter 5, if you want to turn there in Genesis chapter 5, beginning in verse 9, it says, Enosh lived 90 years and begat Canaan, and after he begat Canaan, Enosh lived 815 years and had sons and daughters, verse 10 and 11. And so all the days of Enosh, uh, oh, put it to 6, put it Genesis chapter 6. The Bible says here's what happened. If you want to, Dan, if you don't mind pulling that up and then we'll get going. Here's what happened. Genesis chapter 6, we find that there was this, the Bible says that God had become very angry with the world, that the world had become more and more and more corrupt. And, and that people were becoming violent, that people were given to, to, to all sorts of immorality and all sorts of uh, just lifestyles that were contrary to God. And, and that humanity had fallen into sin in such a way that they actually became so disconnected from God that the Bible says actually in Genesis that said that God actually uh, uh, resented or, or, or regretted creating man. That he repented of actually even creating. God became so frustrated with his kids that he actually wished he had never had kids. Can you believe that? Can you imagine that? <laughs> I'm going to leave that there. And God got so upset, he, he said, you know what? Here's what's going to happen. He said, Mankind has corrupted themselves so much, they, they are so disconnected from me. No one, is, is, no one seeks me, no one obeys me, no one follows me. They've all given themselves up to unrighteousness. And so he says, I'm only going to allow man to live 120 years. Now, that didn't mean that he was only going to allow people to live to the age of 120. That just meant from the time that God declared and proclaimed in Genesis... That, that there would only be 120 more years, that, that God said uh, that, that, that from the time he said it, that for 120 years, that's the, only the amount of time that man is going to have before he was going to send judgment on the earth and he was going to destroy all of humanity. And so that's what happened. The Bible says that because of the unrighteousness of man, that God declared a judgment that he was going to destroy the earth and every breathing thing on the earth. This is such a significant thing. And now this, this flood story, this flood account, uh, I won't outline it tonight, but you can find in every ancient civilization there is a, there is a flood narrative. And, and it's just interesting that, that you find, uh, you find uh, fish skeletons uh, on the tops of mountains, and there's just there's so much overwhelming evidence that that there that the Bible is true that there was a flood, um, and uh, and you find it in all, all sorts of cultural historical narratives. But nevertheless, the Bible says that God sent a rain on the earth, 
and as a result that he killed all mankind. But before he did that, the Bible says he found one man whose household was blameless or righteous, and that was Noah. And he came to Noah, and he said, Noah, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to send rain upon the earth. I'm going to bring a judgment, all right? You have found favor in my eyes, and, 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 and as a result, because of that, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to warn you of future events. I'm going to tell you about something that's getting ready to happen that has never happened before and will never happen again, and that is going to bring calamity and catastrophe upon the earth. And as a result of the favor that I have shown you and telling you, warning you about these things, Noah, you've got to respond in a way that is going to allow you to prepare yourself for this uh, impending rain and flood that's coming so that you can save not only yourself, but you can save your family. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with uh, destroy them with the earth. Uh, verse 14, so make yourself an ark. Here it is. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and covered inside and outside. He had a very specific plan, a very specific plan. Uh, 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 a blueprint, and this is how you're to, make, you're to make it. The length of it, 300 cubits. The breadth of it, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. And he goes on, he has all these specific dimensions. Make the roof for the ark and finish it to the cubit above. And he goes through all of these different plans and diagrams and dimensions. And God had a very specific plan of saving for saving Noah and his family. And what we find here is this this. This Noah's Ark, the story of Noah's Ark, was not only relevant for Noah and for his generation, but it is a type and it is a shadow for us of God's plan of salvation for today. That the, that the Ark of Noah represents the church of Jesus Christ. That God says, I'm sending judgment on the earth, that I'm sending, a, I'm sending a judgment upon the earth, that this world is corrupt, that this culture is corrupt. In fact, Jesus said while he was on the earth, he said that when I come back to this world, it's going to be like the days of Noah. He said, he said people are going to just be doing their thing, living their life, living in corruption, living in sin, and then I'm going to come back. He said, he said it's going to be the same way as it was in Noah's, in Noah's day. And so what we find here is that this ark of Noah represents a type of God's plan of salvation, or in other words, the church that God has prepared for us a way of escape from the impending judgment that is coming on the world. God says in the Word of God that God speaks to, to the culture, speaks to, to future events, that God is not going to continue to put up with, with, the, the, with the unrighteousness and the rebellion of the world. And, and God says, here's what we've done. Here's what I'm doing. I'm going to give you a plan of salvation that if you will obey and you will build and you will get into that ark, if you will get into that boat, then you can save not only yourself, but you can save your family. I want to tell you today that that ark, that boat, that plan of salvation is represented by the church of Jesus Christ. That when you step into the church, when you get in the church, when you serve Christ, when you come to Christ by faith, when, when, when you live for God and serve God and obey God, that you, in a sense, are stepping into the ark that God has prepared for the saving of your soul. Amen? And so what we find here is a few quick lessons here. I won't belabor the point. But number one, Noah's faith testimony should inspire us to, uh, to, to obey God's word. All right? That his faith testimony should inspire us to, first of all, let's say, let's back up. I'm getting a little mixed up here, Dan. Back up. Believe God's word. Number one, you've got to believe God's word. All right, here it is. You've got to believe God's word. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. You've got to, first of all, believe. It comes, first of all, by faith. Look what Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 says. Every word of God. 
get this, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. I want to tell you, I just want to remind you one more time tonight that this Bible is, this is important to us as that those dimensions that God was giving to Noah for the building of an ark. If God didn't give Noah very specific blueprints, then he would not have been able to build, build an ark that would have withstood the coming rains and floods. And just in the same way, God's word gives us plans for the saving of our soul and of our family. Now, the Bible says that every word is true. Now, we know, we know the Bible is, is a great book, obviously, best-selling book of all time, most translated book of all time. Amen. It was uh, written over the course of about 1,500 years, uh, 40 different authors, three different languages, a um, couple different continents. And yet, despite verity and geographical location and diversity and, ooh, and people who wrote the word, who were used by God to write the scripture, uh, who were in king's palaces and some were in the pits, uh, were, were prophets that were thrown in the pit and in prison. Yet, nevertheless, it maintains the same central theme from Genesis to Revelation. And that is the redemption of mankind through the life, the death, and the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That the God's word is all about the redemption of mankind. And if we will hear his word and believe his word and put our faith in his word, then we can receive salvation through the instruction that is in God's word. Amen? Amen. So not only did Noah's faith allow him to believe the word of God, but I want to tell you not only that, but his faith inspired him to obey God's word, all right? And Noah's ark was a type of the church. Now, let's take a look at this. This is where our faith, this is where the rubber meets the road. Let's take a look at James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Look at this. This is, this is, this is, this is really a, a, a profound and just a fundamental lesson, all right? Because get this, what if, what if Noah would have believed just think about this for a second. What if Noah would have believed that God was sending a rain and that God was sending a flood, but Noah never did anything about it? Think about that. What if, what if God would have taken the time to, to, to get Noah's attention, to speak the word of God into his life, to tell him, listen, I'm going to warn you of a future event. You're favored. You're You're blessed. You're in an end time small group. I'm telling you about the future, all right? I'm telling you that rain is coming, Noah. I'm telling you. And Noah actually believed the word, believed God, feared God, but failed to do anything about it. What would you say about that? Would his faith alone save him if he didn't build an ark for the saving of his family, even though a flood was coming? This is what James is going to teach us here. What good is it, my brothers? If someone says he has faith but doesn't have works, can that kind of faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, if someone has a need and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that kind of faith? That's just talking about it. That's just talking the talk, but there's no walk. And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed. What good is that? So also faith, get this, faith by itself, if it does not have works, if it does not have a response, if it does not have a lifestyle change, if it does not have obedience, that kind of faith is dead. 
Now, I want to tell you something. It's important that we understand that we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. You're not going to stand on Judgment Day and stand before God and say, you know what, I was a good person, and I was a modest person, and I was a holy person, and I was a righteous person, and I did this, and I did that, and look at all these things that I did. God's going to look at you and let you be reminded that your, your righteousness are as dirty rags in mine eyes. We're not saved by good works. We're, we're not saved by, by things we do. Initially, I want to tell you, we are saved by the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Don't get this wrong. I'm going to complete the process and the formula here, but hear me now, that we are saved initially by faith through grace, by grace through faith, that it was because of Jesus' works. It was because of Jesus' righteousness. It was because of Jesus' holiness, all right? But here's, here's where the formula uh, really gets real, is that our faith inspires us unto good works because faith without works faith without obedience faith without lifestyle transformation what does the bible says is dead if your faith does not inspire you to to make a, a, some tangible differences in your life changes in your life to take action in your life to serve God in a way that you would have, have you that you wouldn't have had you not had the faith to begin with i want to tell you there's something wrong with that kind of faith amen Well, I, I, you know, I'm a Christian, but you know, I'm meddling. I'm a Christian, but, you know, I, I can do what I want. I can live however I want because, you know, Jesus forgives me and all those things. There's something wrong with that kind of faith. Amen? Amen. Faith ought to make a tangible difference in our life. So keep going. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. All right? You see these kind of in churches. I, they, they, they lean into one element of theology. Faith. You know, they, 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 they lean into to, to their, their faith theology. And then you've got other, other, other groups that will lean into works theology. But I want to tell you that one without the other is incomplete. You've got to have faith, and that faith is going to inspire you to works. Now, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. All right? You need both. Verse 19, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Don't, don't miss what he's saying here. You say, I believe in Jesus. Well, guess what? So does Satan. That's what he's saying. The, the demons even believe in, in Jesus. In fact, all throughout his ministry, Jesus was like, you know, the, the demons were like, come, we know who you are. We know who you are. It's not enough just to have confession. It's not enough just to have a mental assent and belief. Because even the demons have that. Do they have salvation? Verse 20. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Now, this is the Bible here, all right? Let me show you. He says, let me, let me take it a step further. Verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Now, Paul makes a strong case in Romans, and we looked at it when we studied Romans, that we are justified by faith. That before Abraham was even circumcised, he found justification in God's eyes. But guess what happened? You keep reading the story of Abraham, and God gets to a place where he says to Abraham, you better circumcise your children and your household, or they're going to be cut off from the covenant. That your faith, Abraham, even though you're the father of faith, if your faith doesn't correspond to some obedience in your life, to the commandments of God, to be, to be in covenant with me through circumcision, your faith is going to 
your faith is not going to result in the, in the salvation you're hoping for and seeking, that your faith has to result in works, in, in, in righteousness, in obedience. So was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac to his son on the altar? You see, this faith was active. That's what we want, active faith, along with his works. And faith was completed by his works, all right? Verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. There it is. And he was called a friend of God. He believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Verse 24, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. You have to have both. Verse 25, and in the same way was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out one by another? In other words, you could, you could list one Bible character after another. And the point is, they had faith, but their faith resulted in them taking some action in their life. Verse 26, for as the body, get this, apart from the spirit is dead, so is also faith apart from works. What a powerful illustration there. And so what we find here is that Noah's faith testimony inspired him to obey God's word. God spoke to Noah through the word. There's something coming. There's an impending rain coming. I know you've never seen rain. I know you've never seen it flooded before. I know this is off your, off your theological framework. I know you've, you've never experienced it. You can't even probably imagine it conceptually. But what I'm telling you is you need to prepare for something that's coming. And Noah said, you know what? Not only do I believe God and not only do I fear God, but I'm going to put my faith and my fear into some actions. I'm going to do something about it. And what I want to tell you tonight is is that the message of, of Noah is that our faith should make a tangible impact in our life. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the last one. Is that it? By faith, Noah's testimony should inspire us to prepare our lives and our household for future, for future events. In other words, what I've just been saying is that, is, that, is that we have a word of testimony. We have a better word of testimony and a prophecy than of Jesus. And, and listen, I'm, I'm not saying prophecy in the sense that we should... You know, we should be these people. I, I preached about this Sunday that, you know, you don't get caught up in the dreams and the vision and the miracle and the prophecy. But what I'm saying is just the plain reading of Scripture should be enough for us to make a difference in our life. Amen. Let's look, take a look at Second Peter 1.21. Get ready to close. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. All right. And so we have a better word of prophecy that should allow us to move by fear into the obedience of God. Amen. Hey Amen. I've told the story before, but as I close, I uh, my first job out of out of school was uh, besides besides being a valet um, was uh, was for a, f a financial group called West Point Financial Group. They were a, they were a uh, financial planning firm, and we had this thing that they would teach us as as just kind of first first year reps. It was almost like a Bible study. It was like this flip book. It was called Ford Mays building your financial home and we would take people through this this flip book and basically it would you basically be illustrating for them that that building a financial plan is kind of like building a house and you would start out and the first part of the plan is you would just take a plot of land and you would clear that land and you would make it flat and 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 he said that's kind of like building your financial foundation you got to get out of debt and you got to have an emergency fund and you got to have a will and you got to have a trust and you got to have some basic insurance products like life insurance and health insurance and and so there you got to have a foundation in place and he said that's kind of like having a foundation in your home and he said you know once your foundation is laid and then then you got to kind of build the framework of your house 
you build on that foundation. You have a framework. And he said, that's, you know, financially speaking, you know, that's your savings strategies. That's your 401K. That's your IRA. That's your tax strategies that, that you've got to kind of have a structure and a framework to your house. You build that upon your, your foundation. He said, once you've kind of developed the framework of a house, then you start kind of adding the second level. And, you know, you, you build a second level with your bedrooms and whatever you're going to have on the second floor. He said, but, but financially speaking, we would kind of illustrate that that's where you begin to adjust your investment plans to match your realistic retirement goals. And you begin to set your allocation investments into, into buckets. And you start thinking clearly about after retirement, trying to pay off your home, develop a budget and decide between spin down plan or living off a fixed income and any sort of will or transition planning you need to do. You're, you're building that second level of a financial plan. And then finally, once you've kind of finished the second level, then you've got to finish all off with a roof and you've got to complete the home. And that's where we would sell you products like long-term care and will trust uh, products and legacy goals and inheritance and legal matters and tax strategies. And there's all these financial kind of plans that we can put together to put the finishing touches uh, on the house. And as we would sit down with these couples that are in their 20s and just getting started and just kind of illustrate for them with something that was relevant about building a home and they could see the foundation and they can imagine building the framework and they can see putting a roof on it. And now we've illustrated it to say, you know, you have to build a financial plan. And we would sit across from them and we would ask them, what is it that you're building? What exactly are you building right now? What plans do you have in place? What blueprints do you have in place? What are you preparing right now? And the same question I would say that Noah is asking us as, as, as he demonstrated for us is what are we building that's going to contribute to the saving of our family? What are we building? What is our faith? How is our faith making an impact in our life that is going to impact not only our lives but, but those who come behind us, our family? Are we building an ark that's going to endure? Are we building an ark that's going to last the test of time? Are we building an ark that's going to contribute to not only the saving of ourselves, but to our family? What are we building? Stand with me tonight. <clears throat> Amen. What are you building? What am I building? Amen. The Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Think about this. This is encouraging. The Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. But if you think about it, the Bible says that only eight people were saved. In other words, the scripture attributes to Noah the only Old Testament preacher of righteousness. This is the only one that they call a preacher of righteousness. Yet under his preaching, only eight people were saved. Yet he condemned the world and he saved his family. And so what we find here is the mark of our ministry, the mark of our testimony is not necessarily, not necessarily how many thousands of people that we reach with the gospel. Thank God for that. But are we reaching those who are in our own home? Is our testimony, is our testimony making an impact not only on ourselves but those who are closest to us. And that's what, that's what Noah's testimony did. It made an impact on his family. And so I want us to pray. I want us just to bow our heads.
Let's just ask the Lord to help us. And it's going to look different maybe for some of us than it is for others. But I want us just to take a moment here. And I want to just pray. I'm praying for myself included.